Hello everybody, this is Paul Miller, and you're listening to the Tuna Town Talks podcast, located in Venice, Louisiana, the fishing capital of the world. Alright guys, so we're here today with the fourth episode of Tuna Town Talks, and today I got one of a great guest of mine, a good friend of mine, and a good mentor of mine, uh, Captain Kevin Beach. So go ahead, Kevin. Polly D, hold on. I appreciate the introduction, honestly, 100%. <laughs> Um, the one thing that, um, most of y'all I, and anyone who's following the Tuna Town Talks, um, the last two people that were on there, Leo Alonzo and, and Captain Mike Frenette, two, when I say idols of mine, you're going to talk good about me, you know, we gotta, <laughs> you, you gotta start with the, the base, I say the base, the people who founded the fishing industry, the charter industry, the Holy crap. I mean, what Mike Frenette and Lee Alonzo brought to fishing around here. Um, I really think Paulie's trying to mess with me because <laughs> following those two up, like, that's trying to follow up Mount Rushmore. And that's, <laughs> just, no, honestly, I was honored that they were both willing to oh do the podcast with me because that was, that was really, really cool for, for me to be able Dude, to sit down and talk to them. You could talk to the, either one of them, too. I I still enjoy just sitting down and BSing with them because those two guys have forgotten more about fishing. And, 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 and offshore. More, so oh, my God. It's great. Offshore and inshore. More than you and I will ever learn. I mean, and literally <laughs> they have forgotten more than we will ever know. And, I mean, that's when I say it's one of those, like, I I, I thank you. Yeah, I, I'm telling you, I'm no, not. But it, the thank you goes out to you. If it wasn't for you and, and Billy and the rest of the guys in Mexican Gulf, I mean, you guys have done a lot for me. So I have nothing. Respect no, no, for no, all no. I, I appreciate awesome. that. But you know what? There's other people. You know, we have. Look, I ain't gonna lie, and I'm not gonna downplay it. We've done a lot, and I'm very proud of every damn thing we've done. Right. We're more than happy to have you with us, because um, it is a with, not for. We are a team. <laughs> Definitely a team. Um, but the fact, I mean, those guys. Yeah, I'm following up. I'm following up like Thor's hammer. I mean, it's like, what the hell? What am I bringing to the table after that? (laughs) You know? All right. Well, go ahead and start taking us back. Take us back to when Kevin Beach started, whenever you want to take us back to. Go ahead. Tell us a date. I I really don't think you want to go back to when Kevin Beach physically started. (laughs) How about when Kevin Beach started fishing? Um now, so, I mean, I, look, we grew up, I grew up in a very large family. I say very large for the, today's standards. I was one of six kids. And we, uh, you know, my, my, my dad in particular um, hated the city. You know, we grew up in Metairie, which is a suburb of New Orleans. And he hated it. When I say hated it, this, my father wanted to build aluminum boats and grow tomatoes. He had three college degrees. And that's what he, that's what creamed his Twinkie. That's what he wanted to do. And, um, hell, I mean, um, we came down here, rain, sleet, or snow, hurricanes, whatever, every weekend, because all the bad people in New Orleans were, or at least that's what they told us, (laughs) they were going to corrupt all the perfect little children. Looking back at it in hindsight, no, he wanted to get the hell out of the city. And we came down here, and I mean, look, we we literally, um, I was always the early riser, even when I was six, seven, eight years old. I was up before the sun. Um, 
which by the way, early to bed, early to rise doesn't make you healthy, wealthy, nor wise, especially, <laughs> well, no, never mind. I'm over three, <laughs> but, um, so yeah, we, uh, I mean, my dad would sleep in and we were, we had a shrimp boat. I mean, we literally, well, let me take a step back pre shrimp boat. We, uh, we had a 20 foot pro line and I, it, that's where I'm, can remember everything. Before that, we and we we had a uh, camp in Ostrica, mm-hmm. which is for people not from around here. It's on the other side of the river. It's only accessible by water, right? Right. And it was a little commercial fishing community, and they didn't want, as they called us, sports anywhere around. I mean, like we were the enemy, right? And you would show up, and I mean, you'd open up the door. The door had been kicked in. Um, people like literally pooping on your beds, just ransacking the place, and this kept happening, kept happening. And my dad was a stubborn old army guy. He was like, no, you're not going to tell me what I'm going to do, what I'm not going to do. And we keep going back, and every time we go back, I mean, there was something else, something else. And I can't even tell you how many times, like, they would cut the lines off of the boat. And the funny thing is... float out. Yeah, just float (laughs) out. You have to go swim, literally go get the boat. Oh my and gosh! It was called the Boogalee. Um, it was a homemade boat my dad did, hmm. and I mean, you swam down the bayou and got the boat and brought it back until one day got back in the, or woke up and the boat was burned. It was just gone. I mean, they didn't want us there. Holy moly! And that was that was finally when I I say my dad gave up the fight. Right. You know, right. I mean. That's you know I've I've seen that type of attitude stem from other you know other other places down here you know I've heard about it a lot more in the past about Venice about you know people not wanting certain other people from not not from down here around here it's definitely a a, a real thing and and and, and look that that statement was not a bitch whine nor complain about the people of Plaquemines Parish in any way shape or form I mean look I don't care where you go you go to New York City you go to Paris you go to Tokyo. You go to New Orleans, you go anywhere in the world, you're going to have great people, you're going to have really bad people. Yeah. I mean, that, that's, that's, no, that's, I, that's, I've reality. traveled in my, in, in my day, I've traveled a little bit, and that's what I've I got. know. You've traveled a lot of it. <laughs> you're a little young butt. <laughs> you've done a bunch of traveling. And it, it, it was just one of those. It was just really, really, really clear. You know, it, it wasn't going to stop. And it was, I say nothing we could do. It was, all right, cool. So that's what my dad, he, he, Got rid of that property. I say property. I don't even know if he owned it or if it was the lease. I got no clue. I was mm-hmm. that young. Right, right. Um, my, my two fondest memories of, I say fondest, most vivid memories of Ostrica was, you know, anytime we'd go, like I said, one of six. And, and we didn't, you know, people were like, oh, you had boats in the camp. Y'all had a bunch of money. No, when we would go there, we literally, you know, my whole life growing up, we subsidence fished. Mm-hmm. We fished for food. <laughs> yes, literally for food. <laughs> if we caught extra, we sold the extra right. to pay for any expenses and blah, blah, blah. Right. Um, but when we'd show up there, there was a bunch of cattle, right? And there a bunch of barbed wire fences. And every fence was loaded with blackberries. <laughs> and we would, before we could leave the camp, my dad would take uh, the old plastic you know, actually, I guess it's still the plastic gallon milk jugs mm-hmm. cut the top off. Right. And you couldn't get on the boat until you filled it 
full of blackberries. <laughs> and when you're five years old, to do that was like pulling teeth. It right, was horrible. So, right. so bad. <laughs> but it was what you had to do. I mean, that was our jelly for our sandwiches. Right. That was a pie for dessert. And if you didn't pick the damn berries, you didn't get it. Right. You know? Yeah. And, and, and um, <laughs> the other fond memory was on the other side of a cattle fence being a younger one slow little add mm-hmm. not gonna lie walking around in circles instead of picking the damn blackberries um my brother started throwing oyster shells at a bull <laughs> and they hit him <laughs> and all of a sudden we were nah we're gonna mess with you mess with you holy crap come on <laughs> run jump over the fence before you die <laughs> i mean it was it was just good like good simple living I don't right, know any right. other way to put it, you know. Right. Yeah. Um, no, it's and and what would brothers do to brothers, yeah. especially back then? I have two brothers, and I can tell you some of my fondest memories are with with my brothers out on the water, you know, yes. doing something like that. It was, it was definitely some of the best times on the water. Yeah. But I guess go ahead and start moving on from. All right. So so my 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 dad was able to buy a, an acre of land in Venice, right? One mm-hmm. lot. And we started off with an old, he had a buddy of his who was who owned a construction company and they had an old job site trailer that they couldn't use anymore. So we brought that to the land and then, well, all of my siblings were interested in fishing. Then next thing you know, we can't stay in this one trailer. I mean, it was literally, when I say a job site trailer, it was, it was, well, y'all can't see, but it was about this big. Right. So you just, you know, okay, cool. Let's build a little bunk room on side of it. So, spent a month or two, whatever, coming down Saturdays and Sundays, building a, a bunk room on the side. Did that, and that's when we had the pro line. And I mean, we did look. We did a lot of trawling. We did a lot of snapper fishing. And I, I, I say looking back at it, you know, I can't blame my dad. Um, he had five young boys on a boat. Yeah. Especially myself, ADD, running around in damn circles, hyper as hell. Mm-hmm. Um, he just wanted to shut us up. Right. You know, we had to catch fish. It didn't matter if it was snapper, if it was redfish, if it was white trout, if it was sheephead, anything we could eat. Right. He had put us on it, and then we, as we got older, it was it was funny and and looking back at it, kind of cool on his part. You know, okay, we. We're, we're, you know, I'm 13 now. I'm this cool guy. I don't want to catch any more white trout. I want something big. Right. My dad was not a good tuna fisher. Like, right. period. Mm-hmm. And I say period. I'm, my father passed a bunch of years ago, and I'm being gentle, and I appreciate <laughs> everything he installed in me. He was not a good tuna fisherman. <laughs> um, Somebody put it best to me one time. And shit's like math, you know. Sometimes some people get it right off the bat, and some people never do. <laughs> no, he just did. Yeah, it would have been option B on that one, Polly. <laughs> and I mean, like we go catch mice. I mean, we were the chicken dolphin. If if we could talk him into bringing us to clean water, right? Right. Like we hammered chicken dolphin. Like I said, we need. We literally. We couldn't afford what we were doing if we didn't have food all week. Right. At my house growing up, we ate fish, not trying to be funny, summertime, and until deer season came around, mm-hmm. or duck season, like at least five to six nights a week. Mm-hmm. That's what we did. Um, 
we had Jesus, we had redfish, we had snapper, we had white trout, we had sheephead. Every way you can possibly imagine cooking a fish. <laughs> that's how you. That's how you grow up in Louisiana, right? And it was. And look, it was. <laughs> and this is not a complaint right, at all. No, I no, mean, this is. Great, yeah. This is you this asked is life. me. Yes, this is how you There's ask. nothing more gratifying, though, Ken, no. you know, eating something that you've oh. taken. I mean, that's just, I mean, it, we, we we do it so much and I can become numb to it. But it, there is, you know, whenever deer oh. season comes around, you know how that and is. You, and, it, it, and look, anybody that's ever shot a deer or shot a duck and has eaten a deer or a duck, it always takes better when you kill it yourself. You put in the work. Yes, <laughs> you do it and it, it just... It's all mental. I mean, yeah, it, it doesn't it change it doesn't the flavor of it. Taste better, but in yeah. your mind, you know you earned that sucker. Right. Yeah. And it does taste a little bit sweeter, a little bit better. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so we, we grew up fishing down here. And from jug lines, you know, in the back canal, when there's two in it, even leave the dock. Right. Uh, back canal, there was a drainage ditch right behind the camp. Right, so like, at what ages were you like in in Venice with your dad? Oh my God, like twelve to no earlier from, or later from I could. So my dad he had a rule: um, before you go fishing with dad, you had to swim two laps of a pool, right? <laughs> right, fifty yards. Uh, I don't know if you really realize this, Paulie. I'm kind of calmed down compared to the person <laughs> I used to be. Right. Um. I did it, I think, at five. And that was the first time he took me offshore. Because he's like, no, you can't go until you do this. Well, I got it stuck in my head. Well, screw you, old man. I'm going to do this, and I'm going fishing with you. Period. I'm going to show you. And I did it. And he looked at me like, oh, crap. I guess you're coming, huh? It's like, yeah, damn right I'm coming. Right, yeah. So, yeah, first. That's a good rule, though, honestly. It's not a bad rule. Well, it's, you know, I, I hate to. The, the cliche, you know, safety first. But yeah, I mean, it's if you can't swim, move. no, if you can't swim fifty yards, you probably don't need to be yeah, offshore. <laughs> Honestly, don't. yeah, probably don't. Um, and, you, you need know, to be about, well taken care of if you are. <laughs> yeah, there was there was no rules, restrictions. You know, Coast Guard or Wildlife and Fisheries. You know, under thirteen, you had to have a right, right. Uh, life jacket or anything like that. So I mean, no, we we went and just yeah, you know, I was I was a little. I was a little maniac, a little idiot. It was right. fun. So you graduate high school, you go to college, and uh, I graduated from Jesuit in '94. Right. So we fished the whole way up. Uh huh. Um, graduated in '94, went to LSU. Um, you swam, right? Yeah, I swam both in high school and in college for a little bit, and I just burnt out, man. I mean, <laughs> I. I so and you so, were gonna go win the Olympics, but oh yeah, yeah. But I, I figured I'd let that Phelps guy. He had nothing else to hang his hat on. I knew I could fish, right? Right. So right. I, I had fishing in my back pocket. I figured I'd let that Phelps and Beyondy guy, you know, right. let They'll them go. It. Yeah, go ahead and get a few gold medals, whatever. I'll catch a fish. We good. We'll call it even. No, <laughs> that's funny. Um, now nah, I was. When I was younger, I was a lot better. And my parents didn't um, want me to swim year-round. My dad, because swimming is a commitment. I mean, that's six days a week, a lot of days, two practices a day. Right. And my dad's like, dude, no, if, if you commit to swimming right now, um, you're not going to know how to throw a you know, football, a baseball, a frisbee. Right. Play golf, you know, anything like that. You That's your life. Right, right. And... 
you know, for some people it works. And yeah, you know, I, I, I'm torn on it because sometimes I wish I would have been able to do it at the young age and really get because some of the people I beat at a young age went really, really, really far. And I'm just going to leave it at that. Right, right. And I didn't start swimming year-round until I was in high school, junior year, as a matter of fact. Yeah. And I'm glad. I'm not going to – look, my brothers are going to laugh their butts off about saying, I can throw a football, maybe not catch it oh so well. Um, (laughs) (laughs) You know, and I can hit a fastball, not a curveball. I can throw a baseball. I've got some outside of swimming skills that a lot of swimmers don't have. Gotcha. Um, but so back to fishing. I know we're not talking about swimming. <laughs> um, but yeah, so then you uh, got out of school, started so fishing. I, yeah, I, I, I just, just doing what you do, right? I keep just it going. doing what we do. That's <laughs> all. Um, I, I freaked out. I was in. I was working. I was an NC two athlete and working for cash because I wasn't on scholarship, which is LSU didn't know it. No one knew it. It was, you know. Because you, you can't hold a job as an athlete. Right. There's no way. And we couldn't afford everything. Right. Period. So um, I was working at a bar and working for cash and for tips and whatever. And I was getting like literally hour and a half, two hours of sleep a night. And I just burnt out. Double major in engineering, civil and environmental. And I I, I, I lost it one day. Sitting sitting in, a, in really? an engineering lab, I lost it. Like I had, I had my meltdown. I'm like, I'm done. You I don't quit. Huh? I'm done. Figure and it I, out. Huh? Yes, <laughs> I walked into the coach's office. The only thing in my life I've ever quit. Only thing was LSU swimming. I walked in. I was like, this is never going to make me any money. This is never going to do anything for me. I love it, and this breaks my heart. And I actually started breaking down, crying. Not shitting you. Um, Sorry if I can't say that, but <laughs> no, it was fine. Yeah, it's good. Um, it's what happened. Yeah, and so I, I I ended up quitting, and I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. I mean, I I knew like I math I'm good, yeah. spelling not so much. Math I'm on it, <laughs> physics on it, spelling not at all. Same here. <laughs> <laughs> so it was like all right, and that's that's the route I was taking, and I just wanted to get back on the water. You know, I mean, that was that was a little thing. I don't, I don't even know how to, like, put my finger on it. The one thing that always made my skirt fly, that cream, my Twinkie, that made me happy. Right. It was really hard. And you hear it, like, charter fishing. I know you hear it. I know I've heard it a million times. Man, good day or bad day of fishing is better than a good day at work. <laughs> you know, and... Every day. It's... <laughs> You know, at that point in my life, I realized that's what I want to do. That's what makes me happy, you know? So I, I had kind of looked around a little bit. In high school, I had deckhanded on a bunch of big boats. I say big, you know, sport fish boats for tournaments and right. um, worked at a tackle shop. And Shoot, back then, that was probably one of the main ways to get out there. <laughs> that was the only way to get it. Dude, Even sporties. Look, back then, all the sporties stayed in New Orleans. Yeah. And there was no Venice Marina. Well, Venice Marina had just opened up. But there was, you would run the boat from New Orleans, like for a weekend tournament. Mm-hmm. You'd leave on Wednesday. You'd run the boat, which back then, like a fast sporty, like 18 knots. Right. If you were doing 22 knots, 
You were like the highfalutin, <laughs> pinky out, <laughs> the big time boy, right? <laughs> so you'd come down, you'd stop at Elsie's, which is right there at the jump. Right. The jump is where Tiger Pass meets the river. Right. You'd stop, you'd refuel, and then you'd run down to Port Eads. If you had enough fuel, you can make it all the way to Port Eads and not have to stop at Elsie's. That's back to pinky out big time stuff. <laughs> but, um, yeah, the, as far as like the marinas and accommodations, everything we have right now, none of this. Right, none They of had that. one back down ramp at Elsie's. Mm-hmm. They also had a lift, wow. a hoist. I mean, yeah. I'm sorry I'm showing my age, but I, <laughs> I tell you right now, Mike Fernet and Lee Alonzo are laughing at this like, Damn, didn't really. Beach is so pretty. I can't believe he's talking about <laughs> stuff that's old. Now, but uh, yeah, so I I I I needed some salt water back in my life. Yeah. So I took a job on a hundred and twelve foot Hatteras. Um, that's a big boat. Oh, it was. Uh, it was. It was one of the best. Um, you know, like I said, we commercial fish. Yeah. I I could I could change pumps and pellers. You know, whatever basic mechanical stuff, but cosmetics was never an issue. Right. I went from straight mechanical to get on that big boat to straight cosmetics. That's good though. That's no, it, you it was it. You, well. You got you got to learn a little bit of everything, right? Right. And that was my first introduction to actually taking care of a boat cosmetically. I mean, you all of them you got to wash and you got to keep clean. But the polishing, the making sure the the silicone is right. is put in just fine with a good bead. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot more on, on the commercial boat. You goop it in there. Okay. Hey, it's water coming through. I don't care. All right, <laughs> it, it stopped. Right. We good. Right, right. To doing that, and right. I, I I was introduced to a whole different world. I had right. never ever. You were seen. working on that, but were you a captain or a mate? Hell no! <laughs> the captain did let me dock it once. That was awesome. <laughs> and it was even cooler because there was a, a boat from Britain at the lakefront. Um, mm-hmm. It was 112 foot. And don't get me wrong, I say he let me dock it. He was right, right over my you. shoulder, breathing down my neck. Probably. That's cost. the scariest way to drive a boat. You know that? Whenever, like, your dad or somebody, like, you know, or, like, a captain oh, that yeah. you work for is, like, standing right over you telling you everything you're doing wrong. <laughs> well, and he explained to me how to do it. And some people get, like, right. boats. Some people get how to move them. I mean, like, how do you describe a race car driver? Some people get how to take a corner and how not to take a corner. Some people understand stocks and how money works like that. Right. I don't understand either of those at all <laughs> i can drive a boat i can catch a fish right that's what you do that's what i do i don't right. do a whole lot outside of that right. my, my 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 spectrum of talents is very 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 limited <laughs> but anyway so yeah we uh he let me dock it i did that i was a mate on it um we had a full-time chef super duper good guy uh joe Shiroda, the 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 captain tom white um I hand wrote a, a resume for him, handed it to him. He saw, he knew, actually the chef knew one of the guys I worked for. He's like, hey, you know this guy? He's like, yeah, he's straight shooter. Yeah. Called him up on speakerphone with me standing right there. Hey, what you think about this kid? Put an application <laughs> with me. Ah, he's in Johnny Van. 
All right, good guy, blah, blah, blah. I was like, cool, you want the job? I looked at him like, holy crap. <laughs> I was going to cut some grass, you know? And now you want me to come work on a 112-foot, you know, boat, go touring the world and globe right, cutting right. and pinky out stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it was a little culture shock, but did that. And then, How long did that last for you? I lasted almost a year. Um, mm -hmm. I will, and I will hang my hat on. And I hope... In some way, I can find Captain Tom White. <laughs> that's the guy that got that. That's the captain that took this chance on me. Mm -hmm. He had no reason to. No, <laughs> he he literally um, put his neck on the chopping block. Mm -hmm. And I will tell you this: he always told me I was the only guy he never had to fire. That left. I mean, and and the owners got sick. Right. right? It wasn't like I was like, oh, I'm too good for you anymore. Tom taught me more about boats, boat maneuvering, care of, and he was a little hard ass. Yeah. I mean, he was he was a goofy son of a bitch too. I mean, he right. loved the guy to death. Um, Tom White, great, phenomenal person. You know, I just to add, just you know, for me, when whenever you're getting into the fishing industry, you know, I've had you know, you get people ask you all the time, how do you get into that? Well, for one, you're either you either have it in your blood or you don't. I feel Correct. like I, I feel like that's what it comes down to. But for two, you have to have somebody to give you that shot. That yep. one that one shot to get you started. I think everybody, you know, in a way has had that. And you know, I can remember, you know, Charlie Davis. That was a captain that, you know, gave me my first deckhand job. And it's it doesn't seem like much to them, but it's a big deal whenever you're coming into something and you look back and you're like, Oh, well, if that's, if I would have never met this guy, Tom white, you know, who, who knows what would have happened? You know, who no knows kidding. where I'd be, you know, it's, that's the way life happens. though. it's true. I, I, <laughs> I might be offshore working on a damn oil rig, you know, right, yeah, I mean, it's true. And, and he, he, I, I'm glad, um, obviously glad he gave me my shot. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, you'd be an idiot. Right. Not to say that, but, I'm so, glad he feels like I did him right. Right. Yeah. You know, and then from there, like I said, the owner of that boat got sick, right? Mm -hmm. So the family wasn't overly interested in keeping the boat. Mm -hmm. So that's when he said, look, yeah, y'all are great. This is the best crew I've had. It's easier to get a job when you have a job. Start looking. I don't want to lose you, but I'm doing the right thing, which, once again, hat goes off to Tom. Right. I mean, he could have he could have been selfish with the boat and been like, no, this is my crew. I'm keeping y'all on. Okay, cool. Boss man dies. Y'all are fired. You know, right. could have done something like that. And there's a lot of captains that would have done that. He did the right thing and said, start looking. So I started looking. Ended up getting a job um, as captain of a 61 Hatteras. <laughs> Big step up there, Captain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. From the shrimp boat to the mega yacht to, to, to captain, captain of a, of a 61, huh? Wow. Yeah, it was, it was It was goofy. It was It was once again one of those like surreal things. Like, why are they taking a shot on me? Right, yeah. Yeah. But anyway, so um, did that. And that... that that boat, the 61, was more of a floating uh, boat tail, you know, is what we called it. We had a 27-foot center console, quote-unquote, offshore boat, 27-foot Stratus, and a 21-foot Stratus bay boat. 
And so the owners of the boat, um, they would just send down clients, sleep on the big boat in the marina. Sometimes we'd bring it to the islands or bring it somewhere else. And, um, you know, I'd take them fishing. Well, after fishing down here for a little while, doing that, we, uh, couple of the charter companies started noticing what was getting caught hey you want to come to work you want to come to work i never forget now we'll never mention this guy's name um he's like beach if you come to work for me i'll have a brand new boat for here tomorrow keep you working four days a week you don't have to deal with babysitting you don't have to deal with waxing <laughs> you don't have to deal with blah 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 i looked at him i said hey captain um I don't want to be charter boat trash. I got the biggest, <laughs> baddest yacht in the whole damn marina. Right. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> Never say what you're not going to be. <laughs> yeah, and then it, that that job, as great as it was, and it's great, and I still keep in contact with a couple of the, the family members mm-hmm. um, that I work for. Um, it was just one of those that started, started getting uncomfortable for me. Right. So I made the jump. I was like, you know what? I'm. I, I don't want to be in this position. Let me just, let me start charter fishing until I figure out what I want to do with my life. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> so you was, made your bed, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh God. Laid in it. Slept in it. Sweat in it. <laughs> peed in it. Did a whole lot of things in it. Um. But yeah, I mean, that's like the gist of how I got. Right. to where I was. I wasn't one of these guys. And and I know you see it, especially with you fishing more inshore now. No. You see guys, they like go buy a boat. Somebody wants to book them. They don't know if this moron, that the boat owner, knows two bits of flying yin-yang about catching fish or weather patterns or tides. or You know, like literally nothing. Oh, cool. You got a cool boat? Cool. I want, you know, 200 bucks. I'm going to book you. Right. You know, and you get that. And I, I was very glad that I didn't start off like that. Um, we, I had a, 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 a very humble beginning. Um, I was a very arrogant college guy. <laughs> Even the beginning of my, my fishing career, I was still a total dillweed. I mean, at least I'm old enough. Maybe I'm just old enough and fat enough to, to look back at myself and be able to criticize myself. Right. I wouldn't I was I was I was a hot headed prick. I mean and I guess anybody in our industry, you have to have an attitude. You know, second best sucks. Yeah. Every single day. I tell everybody in the boat I've never had a sportsmanship trophy, period. <laughs> it just you know, and you know what I'm talking about. You don't like showing up with less than someone else or people disappointed right no you don't that, you never want to leave your people disappointed no and, and the, the people like that i'm good with showing up with less but like damn guarantee you people get off the boat you got two more fish than me my guy's gonna show off whistling dixie laughing giggling <laughs> and they're gonna read book you know we're gonna have us a good time we're gonna catch fish we're gonna do it safe we're gonna do it ethically right and yeah. Have a good old, good big time, as they say. <laughs> yeah. So you started charter fishing in what year? So the first charter I ran was in 98. 98? And you stayed on it ever since? I, I, I did take, I say take a year off. Um, I tried to get on 
with the river pilots and it required a year at sea on a on a ocean going ship mm-hmm. so i spent a year on the ship really where'd you i never knew about that where did you go oh my gosh you went all over the world uh the the first ship i jumped on with old captain lucas's ship um it was it was actually simple um we went from new orleans or corpus christi to mexico and back it, 35,000 tons of corn or grain <laughs> every time back and forth. Um, that was pretty simple except for the fact it was a Panamanian flagged Greek-owned ship, right? Yeah. They don't have labor laws. They don't have minimum wages. Right, right. When you go to work for 300 bucks a month and you know you're too broke to drink beer in Mexico... Dude, that's when you broke. <laughs> like, that's not even like college broke. That's broke broke. Right, right. So, right. but it, I mean, that's what I had to go do. Right. So I did that. And then 9-11 happened. When 9-11 happened, um, when 9-11 happened, um, it was one of those that... When 9-11 happened... I knew MSC was going to be hiring, so jumped on with them. And now it's an American flag, Military Sealift Command. Jumped on with them. And they actually pay, like, our wages. So it was able, that's how I was able to buy the first Gravois. Gotcha. That was in 2001. Um, I mean, you're, you're stuck on a ship. You're right. afloat. So you doing, saved all your money? You couldn't spend it. Right. I mean, I guess you could. Back then, there was no Amazon, whatever. <laughs> you know, I mean, I guess I could have ordered crap and sent it to the house. But, I mean, that was... Right, right, right. No. So, um, I literally saved any penny. Worked every minute I could. Every minute of overtime. Volunteered for everything. Mm-hmm. And I had enough money not to buy it outright. But to get you started. But to, Get the start. Right. Yeah. So I did that. Um, and that was that was the second. Well, that was that the, the gravel was actually the first one that had pale horse on the side of it. The Glacier Bay days uh, still went by pale horse. Right. So um, the old Glacier Bay. The old Glacier Bay, huh? That <laughs> aluminum thing. God bless Jimmy Gravois. That guy is one of the smartest, one of the most talented people you ever meet in your life. Yeah. God, he's so good. And he just, like we were talking about people who get fishing, people who get math, people who, he gets boats. Boats, he yeah. gets I've heard out, that about him. Yeah. Oh, my God. He's good. Like, he is good. And the funny thing is, so Mr. Jimmy, he talks with that good guy, Cajun accent, and he talks kind of <laughs> slow, you know, <laughs> right, and he does. Right, right. So when you talk to him, like first time I talk to him, I'm like, this is like, this guy's a legend. Like this, this guy, he's a badass in the industry. Right. Who the hell am I talking? Like, he's like, yeah, I build you your boat. That's no problem. I'm like, going, what the, dude? I don't. This is every penny I've ever earned in my life. I'm about to give you. I'm, and I went over there and I saw his operation and what he actually does. 
I was like, oh, you were talking about that little warm, fuzzy feeling in your belly. <laughs> it was so cool. It's that, funny you say that. I had a guy on the boat like two days ago talking about him and yeah. everything. I've never met him, but it he, like a, his wife, Miss Donna. Sounds like a gym. <laughs> oh, my God. Let me tell you what. Them two people right there, Mr. Jimmy, Miss Donna, you hear anyone say anything bad about either of them, you go ahead, crow hop them, knock them the <laughs> beep out because they are retarded. Right, right. I mean, anyway, uh, we keep on getting a little distracted here. Yeah, we do. It does happen. Sorry about this, kids. So um, you got the grab wall. You you did that, and I guess Katrina was in 2005, yeah? So yeah. you had to... I had... So here you go. I'm, gonna, I'm a good segue. Well played, Paul. <laughs> oh. So when I bought this, like I said, literally when I say every penny I had went into this boat. Right. And then some. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I got back from overseas, I didn't like I didn't have a vehicle. Right. My little brother was given a Corsica, a blue Corsica, by God rest his soul, my Aunt Val Buqua. Um and Aunt Val um when she gave it to him, he figured he would pass it on. I didn't have I had no way to get to and from New Orleans from Metairie to Venice. So uh he gives me this car, and I was so meticulous with my fan, my finances for this boat. I mean, I had gaffs, fighting belts, bait fish D hookers. I mean, you talk about I had everything scoped out, planned. All right, gotcha. And then I forgot about one little uh, key component. <laughs> it's called sales tax. Sales tax, huh? Ninety or nine percent. All of a sudden, the sale of the boat went up nine percent. I was like, okay, this is going. This is going. This is going. Oh, autopilot was the first thing to go. Second thing, trailer. Right. Here comes old Katrina. Ugh. Boo! So I had to leave the boat down here. I left it down here. It got beat up. Um, insurance was great to me. I say great. They they literally they covered everything. Like I can't say anything bad about them. Um, so we we did that, and uh, it was um. I'm not gonna tell you good. I mean, I don't think anyone. Besides someone that was paid for picking up garbage for Katrina will tell you how good it was. I mean, right. it sucked. It was this place was just wiped off the face of the earth. Right. There was not a tree left down here. That wasn't a landmark. There was nothing. I mean, like you drove down and it was like it was like you were in, in, in freaking like Missouri or, or Kansas. <laughs> Somewhere I mean, you've like, never been before. Yes. I mean, it was just and it was all flat. Right. Like, all right, there's a, a cell tower over here, and there's a water tower over here. And that was literally nothing. Right. That's not- the scary thing is, is that was the last bad. <laughs> shut scary, up, Paul. Scary, Just shut scary, up. scary. I, yeah, knock, knock, knock your ass on wood right now. <laughs> but no, and I mean, look, it was, it, 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 if you went through that and you didn't learn anything, you're a moron. I mean, 
That's how you build successes whenever, you know, you things like that happen. It makes you stronger. You get past it. You do it. <laughs> Anytime you do anything, if it's a podcast, if you're a baker, if you make donuts in the morning, if you're, if you're a five-star chef or a fisherman and you fall flat on your face and you don't learn anything from it, you ain't going to make it ever. Mm-mm. Like, yeah. period. You gotta, if you gotta you're that dumb and stubborn, <laughs> no, you look at it, you pick yourself up, you figure out where everything went wrong. Was I not prepared enough? Did I not have this put away? Did I not have insurance on that? You know? Right. And you, right, you right. look at what you did wrong, and then you pick yourself up, and you go make it happen after that. Right, right. It's definitely a lot of that after Katrina. Oh, Jesus. my God. Because there's a lot of people learned I think I was like 12 or 13 when it happened. I mean, I remember all of it like it was yesterday. But, I mean, it didn't matter how old you were. You were working. You were doing something. You were pulling up sheetrock. You were... Pulling out carpets in the house. I mean, you were oh. doing all of it. It was if the house was, was still there. <laughs> if the house was still there, we were we were grateful enough to still have a house. <laughs> yeah, no, and and you know what? As I don't care what your financial situation is, a little bit of sweat equity, a little bit of every once in a while, everybody should have to roll up their sleeves. Yeah, nothing wrong with sweating. No, there's <laughs> nothing <laughs> wrong with sweating. <laughs> nothing, nothing wrong with have, a little bit of good hard work. <laughs> yeah. No. So, um, yeah, so Katrina happened, and then I guess it was pretty tough after that to get No, well, I mean, look, down here, I mean, you know, and, and I don't know how many of your listeners know, like, we are the end of the line, like right. the absolute end of the line. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're going to be the last ones with power and last ones with water. Right. And with, you know, north of us, the only thing we had going for us is all the refineries up there. Yeah. Um, hell, it it that it came through August 29th, right? We all had to find jobs. If it was, like you said, ripping out sheetrock, pulling up carpet, doing whatever, um, just to pay your bills. Right. Um. And then we started back fishing, January one out of Fushon. Right. And we fished out of there. For a little while. And, and mad props to Fushon. I mean, they were... They catered? Yes. They were not... A, a lot of places in this world, if, you know, if something happened to Miami and all the Miami charter boats had to go to Fort Lauderdale, would they have been as receptive as they were for us? I don't know. I'm only going to assume no, because <laughs> I brought my boat to a couple of different places and I'm not I'm not I'm not I'm just using those two as an example I'm not trying to right, right, point right, a finger right, at right. anybody or anything um you know it's we're in a very competitive industry right mm-hmm. definitely would it would we have had the open arms that we had mm-hmm. if we're in somewhere else I don't know right was it because they wanted our business was it because they knew we were screwed you know, with the, the hurricane. I mean, anyone that lives on the Gulf Coast. Right. If you're in in Texas, Louisiana, Alabama, Mississippi, or Florida, look, you've had a storm come through. You know what it's like right. to just wake up and be like, oh, shit. <laughs> Every, you know, did this just happen? Yeah. No you doubt. know, and you no. see it coming, and you're like, 
damn, I could have grabbed. You could have done this. You got yes. hindsight's always twenty twenty. Yeah, or if I, you if you board up for a tropical storm though, it's like oh, I didn't yeah, do anything. Yeah, <laughs> it's I should have grabbed my high school yearbooks <laughs> and your stuff like that. You can't replace. Yeah, you, know, you never replace it. Yeah, no doubt. And it's it's one of those. And look, this is where we live. You got to be a realistic person. Mm-hmm. And this is it's going to happen. Yeah. Oh, it's not. No, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Period. Yeah. Prepare for it too. Yes. <laughs> So, so yeah. be smart. So after that, I mean, we came back down here in April. Mm-hmm. The reason we came back in April because we got water back in April. They still we, had generators going? We were still doing generators. Good Lord. That's this really is, wanting it. This is in the United States, the continental U.S. of A. <laughs> and we're still on houseboats and generators. Exactly. But we had water. So you could have ice. You could wash a boat. You could... Take right. a shower. You go to the bathroom. Right, right. I mean, something saying something like that right now sounds kind of crazy. Yes, it does. But it was that's that was the world we were living in. Mm-hmm. And you know what? You did it. You no. Know. It was so much cooler than pulling out sheetrock and carpet and, <laughs> and everything else. <laughs> it was like, man, I'm going fishing. I don't care. Right, right. So yeah. So, so did the people still want to go fishing? Was it hard to book? Trips? It was. It, it the hardest part about it when we got back down here was the lodging. Mm. There yeah. was such limited space, and then it's like, well, okay, you know. I feel before, like that's still the case today. <laughs> well, and it is, and and a lot of aspects. But it was like, all right, cool. Um, you know, last year I got a hotel room for seventy five dollars, and you're going to charge me one hundred and seventy dollars now. Well, of course. We had to bring in, you know, everything right back, and we're still running on generator. We're still doing this. You know, your expenses went way up, and everybody just sees the price tag. Right. Everybody sees the price tag. And, and like, what happened to last year? Right. Last year's prices, I signed on for this. Well, it's not last year. I don't know if you know this or not. My house got whacked. My boat got whacked. Everything got whacked. I'm trying to make it I'm trying. I'm trying to just get it back, and this is the fair market price. You know, I'm not trying to gouge anybody. I'm, I'm still have a conscience. Right. I still like to sleep well at night. Right, right. But if this is what it costs, this is what it costs. If you want to pay it, pay it. If you don't, I understand. No problem. Give it a couple months. Once everything comes back, we'll be back to, to normal. Right, right. But you know what? Um, after doing this as long as, as I have, and even at that point, you know, and you know, you spend that many hours on a boat with somebody, um... A lot of times you make connections mm-hmm. outside of just, you know, the level one. Oh, where are you from? Yeah, exactly. What do you do? How do you know each other? Right, right. You make a connection, you start BSing, and you, you know. Yeah, you, you, you become you, friends. Yes. Yeah, all the it, time. It's so incredible. It's crazy. <laughs> it, really it is, is. absolutely crazy. Yeah. Um, And you get guys, you know, like, man, you know, from South Florida or whatever, and they understand it. You know, text, like I said, anywhere on the Gulf Coast, even people from outside of that, hey, I want to book a trip. I don't care what it costs. Right. Dude, y'all, y'all, y'all just got hammered. I'm coming. Right. I, I'm just trying. I don't care if we catch anything. I'm coming down. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to send you a check. You're going to put forward some effort, you know? Yeah. You're going to do something. Right. But I, I'm, I'm trying to do the right thing. Right. We're here I'm, for you. Yes. We're coming. We're, we're supporting. You want to talk about like an overwhelming, like shed a tear type of emotion. And you get people 
you know, you, you, you knew him for 48 hours and then you text message and you'd call him on the phone and they're like, I got you back, dude. You know, kind of like I had quote unquote, quote unquote, people I thought were my good friends, mm-hmm. you know, wouldn't do that. Yeah. And you get these charters and I, and I could, there's a lot of good people out there. I, people, I, I talked about that all the time. Like, you know, there's there's a lot more good people out there than there are bad. Amen to that one. And maybe maybe I'm numb because I'm a charter captain and I'm on, you know I'm around a bunch of really you know people that can afford to go fishing and everything. But I don't know. That's the way I choose to you know live my life, believing that everybody's good. A yeah, lot of people, it, most people. It doesn't are matter good, if you, you can know? afford to go fishing or not. There's good people and bad people. Yeah, it's Period. true. Yeah, and it has nothing to do with your financial economic status at all no 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 and you know good and bad you can be a terrible person and have a lot of money i I know some (laughs) really rich terrible people trust me on that one but and it's it's you know we are we we in our industry are very blessed and very fortunate that when people see us it's not like going no offense to anybody like going to the dentist they want something fixed but they're not showing up there with a big smile like, oh, my God, I can't wait to lay down in this chair right. and just smile up. And, Man, take some x-rays. This is going to be the best day ever. You I know? always use the example of my buddy used to work at Advanced Auto Parts, right? So, like, who goes into Advanced Auto Parts happy? With a good attitude. <laughs> Nobody does. Everybody's Boy, mad man. everything. And, like... I think about that all the time because, you know, like as a charter captain, you get kind of caught up in all the whatever bullshit doing day to day stuff. But at the end of the day, you're picking up a a group of happy people that wants to have a good time. Yes. Generally on vacation. So, you know, that's that's a great job, you know, and the people people that are unhappy as a charter captain, you need to get out of it. No, if you're not I mean, ha- if, if you're, you're not, not happy, happy as a charter captain, you need to quit. You no really doubt. do. You need back to what we said earlier. Some people get it, some people don't. If you don't get it, you're trying to force your way in. Yeah. You're not going to be happy because no, what not. we do is so much work. It's retarded. You got to love it, man. You have to look There's forward to only, those experiences out yeah, there. That man. is the only yeah. reason that anyone can make it in this industry is because you love it. And yeah. if you don't love it, you're going to end up so bitter and grumpy because. <laughs> Look, Mother Nature, as beautiful as she is, is also very humbling. Yeah, no doubt. And when you get, and you fish 150, 200 days a year, you're going to have so many slices of humble pie shoved (laughs) right down your throat. Unless you can go home, take a shower, get something to eat, and say, you know what? Tomorrow's going to be better. Tomorrow I'm going to see that bite. Tomorrow, that fish is gonna jump. Just right, right. right. Oh, I stay up in the bed at even today. I mean, I'll I'll lose sleep at night thinking about where fish are and everything mm-hmm. else. I mean, at certain times of the year when you're doing things, you know, that are just repetitive and normal, you don't. But like, there's still always something that keeps me up at night. Like whether it's, I mean, sometimes it doesn't even have to do with what I'm gonna fish for the next day. But it could be like, you know catching a blue marlin in my bay boat or something like that you know i was like oh that's a dream you know that's a dream <laughs> to have. you and davis alike right no you no you you're not i know you're not sleeping very much right now well i know you're not no other reason i know you're not because the triple tail is starting to show yeah back up. yeah yeah look if y'all could yeah 
<laughs> if y'all could see him right now when I said that, his eyes went, doing. <laughs> it looked like Bugs Bunny. <laughs> like, doing. That was pretty cool. Yeah. But yeah. Let's get back to the timeline, though. I know we got off on a little tangent, but that's the way these that things go. That was a pretty go. cool tangent, though. I liked I was, it. I liked I'm, it. That was cool. <laughs> I am still smiling like nobody's been there. <laughs> So uh, yeah, so Katrina happened. Y'all, y'all rolling, rocking and rolling. So we got we got back down here. That's the sound of Venice. Y'all hear that? <laughs> what? <laughs> um. So we got back down, and I mean, obviously things progressed. Things got better. Um, got power. Got you know. Once again, gonna sound funny. Got cable TV back. We had. <laughs> You know, and and things I say quasi got back to normal, um, and the charter company that myself and Billy were working for, you know, we were blowing up. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was how many boats working with that one? Uh, I think there was either five or six. Five or six, and how was the model structured? Were you guys owning your own boat and working for somebody, no, or no, they no, owned no. the boat no, and you worked we, for them? We got bounced from boat to boat to boat to boat. Oh, some that, that was bullshit. the dumbest <laughs> crap ever. Like and and like I said, I, I I'm not going to mention the the person's name. We have a an agreement. I don't talk about him. He don't talk about me. Right. Just leave it at that. Right. Right. Um. Obviously, we parted in very admirable ways. <laughs> <laughs> uh. So we uh. We were bouncing around boat to boat, and I didn't like how everything was happening. Billy didn't like. How it was happening business-wise. Yeah. And you get on a boat, and we just touched on this. People are happy when they get on the boat. Yeah. People should be happy. They're on vacation. It's the morning yes. of going fishing. When people get on the boat, the first thing they do is bitch about who they've been dealing with on the phone. Ooh. And I'm not talking about, like, well, it took him, you know, eight hours to call me back. It took him one day to call me back. This son of a bitch did and I, I, when you spend the first half of your day trying to justify someone else's wrongdoings, and when you know you've brought it up to him 57 times. Right. <laughs> and nothing's changed. Right. You know, times, it you was, know, something's got to. Yeah, there was like, is okay, side note, ADD here. Um, Paulie and I are sitting outside on a, on a back porch at Venice Marina. And the sun's going down. It's absolutely gorgeous. And the writing is right. It was right there in the sky saying, Dumbass, go do your own thing. Do not keep putting up with this. <laughs> and I owe, I owe that gentleman a lot of thank yous. Right. Um, he opened a bunch of doors for me. He gave me a bunch of exposure. Um, he buried himself. Right. Um, but whatever. Mm-hmm. I, it's uh, I I I owe him that amount of fare. So how long did you work for? That was five. Well, legally, four years, five years, four years, five years after Katrina. So BP oil spill hit in two thousand and nine. Oh yeah, we were, we were well on a we were blown up by then. Okay, so you guys were still with them then, and then no, we, we had we had 
We had already left before then. Okay, before then. Okay. And this is so sad. And I, I know the timeline might be a little jumbled for you guys, but I think we're we're moving on to near the oil spill. Yeah. So um, we left. We started. So Rimmer. you and Billy, you and, Billy and Rimmer, and Rimmer all started together. Okay. I've never met Rimmer, and Rimmer, if you're out there, I do want to meet you. I want to talk to you for sure. He's got very <laughs> soft hands. If you want to shake them. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't help it. Anyway, um, so yeah, so Polly Rimmer, uh, not Polly, Billy Rimmer, and myself were all about to go three different directions, right? And yeah. this is right as the internet is starting to really pop off and become a, a powerful tool, let's just say. Very. Yeah. And it was one of those, like, I'm about to go drop five to ten grand. Billy's going to go drop five to ten grand. Rimmer's going to go do it. And we know. Out of our circle, we're the three best, and we're just going to refer stuff back and forth to each other. Right. And I was like, dude, why don't we just each save a bunch of money and go in together? Right. Because we're going to be sending, it's going back and forth anyway. Right. Let's just go in one. We'd be a better marketing company. We'd be better together, like as one unit than three separate entities. Mm hmm. We sat down one night, like, and that actually makes a lot of sense. So that's what we did, and that's where Mexican Golf got started. Hmm. So what year was that, that Mexican Golf? Uh, that was a couple of years before the oil spill. Then the oil spill happened. Okay. And remember so was that your first Freeman? When was your first Freeman? My that? first Freeman got delivered to me. So it was, what, the oil spill was April 28th. 2009? Yeah. Yeah. So I... Taken delivery of my first Freeman on May fifth. <laughs> right, right there at it. Huh? I had already paid, and that was the thirty-three, 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 thirty-three. Okay, with They're twins, green. twins, twin three fifties, and I was, good God, I, I was freaking out. When I say freaking out, I actually, and this is just to show how much of a dork I am. You know, when when it happened. Every fishing was closed. BP had not put anyone to work. So the only thing you could do is media trips, right? Bringing people around, just video and all the crap. And uh, I, I, I had made a vow to myself. I mean, this is, once again, going from commercial fishing days to pretty boat days. The Grava was a bad bitch. period. Wasn't maybe the easiest on the eyes of any boat I've ever owned. I'll just leave it at that. Right. So now I have this pretty fine-tuned, just sleek, sexy, badass some bitch. <laughs> and the one thing I have to do with it is go run through freaking oil. <laughs> Dude, I never thought are, about that. Hey, oh my god! Like I wigged out. I absolutely lost my mind. Because you got this brand new boat. Oh, my God. Uh, this is, I used to call it my house trailer because <laughs> I had a house note sitting on a trailer because I was not, I, I made a vow to myself, I am not going to take this damn boat into the oil before it sees fish blood. <laughs> I'm not just bad karma, bad gree-gree. I'm not doing it. I'm just not going to do it, period. So I was leasing a boat. I was paying $500 a day to lease a boat. That was a piece, not a piece of garbage. It was nowhere near what I had just bought. Right. So, uh, finally I started thinking about it. 
I'm like, huh. I just paid like $5,000 in lease fees. You can goddamn clean a boat for $5,000. <laughs> All right. But I, I, I made that, that promise to myself. I'm not doing it. So I literally, <laughs> in the marina, went in a 33-foot Freeman, went around pitching freaking lizards, and I caught a bass. <laughs> God have mercy on this little bass's soul. Because I <laughs> caught it, and I pulled it up, holding it by its mouth, and I took a big old knife, and I cut its throat. <laughs> And I walked around this whole boat and splattered the whole damn boat with bass blood. Only Kevin Beach. Well, I ain't never seen. I, 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 in my mind, I was this. This is the first pretty thing like that I've owned. Yeah, now it's gonna go run through oil. Yes. Now yeah. I'm. I, I went from commercial boats and work boats to, to a, a yacht to a fine, fine vessel. <laughs> and now I'm gonna take this fine, beautiful. I mean, when I say pretty. I mean, I, I, I'm sure most of the people have seen a Freeman before. God, it's a sexy boat. <laughs> this is the first thing, first thing I've owned in my life. Right. That was one of those, like, holy crap. You know, like, really hang your hat on it, really gives right. you the warm, fuzzy. Not that I, not like I made it, because I still owed a bunch of damn money <laughs> on it. But it was the first, like, hell yeah. Yeah. I know what that's like too, because like growing up, you know, my dad owned a 24 foot pro line, and so like I guess growing up, you always, as a fisherman, you're always dreaming about the next boat. <laughs> you're always dreaming about a better boat, some type of way, and then you know, whenever it's sitting there in front of you, it's like, oh my. God. Yes, and that was my dream. Yeah, that boat right there was literally my dream boat. Right, and. So how long did you keep the 33 for? I had it for four years, eight years. Had it for a while. Loved the boat. Absolutely loved it. I mean, it was, it was, gosh. <laughs> Big step up, huh? Oh, my gosh. I, it was. It did, they just keep stepping up. Like, with all the 42s now, and they got, you know, four live wells. And oh. right now, it's pretty crazy with y'all doing the research pumps and everything. Like, it's... <laughs> That's look, it. Look, I don't. If you Those sell. boats give you, like, it's it's not one thing that's going to give you an advantage over everything. It's all the small factors that go into putting that boat together that gives people the advantage. That, that's what makes a great fishing boat to me is. Well, and, but, you know, and, and, and not saying that every other boat isn't built by fishermen. Right. Period. I mean, there's so many people that are going to take that the wrong way. I know Billy Freeman personally very well by the way love you thank you for what you <laughs> allow us to do um he built the boat that's not a it can be used for whatever sunset cruises and right. island tours and that is a that that boat is built for a hardcore fishing machine that's what it's like for. and because he's done it he's he's dealt with I say in, now, yes, I can say it, inferior boats. Knowing what it's like to see a better boat out there, knowing he could be 10 times better than the guy on the better boat, but the better boat gives the worst captain a better chance of 
succeeding. No, it's definitely true. You see and, that all yeah. the time. It's... And but what he's done for us is like game changing, next level retardation. <laughs> so that's that's pretty cool. Uh, yeah. Seeing seeing the innovation of the center console come full circle, like. I mean, whenever I came down here, you guys were in the 37s with trips. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, coming down there then, I was like, oh, my God, look at all these boats. You know, I was working on 39 Yellowfin. But if you look at where it is today, <laughs> it's just like there's more of them. They're bigger. They're faster. Oh, and, and, and look, and, and Billy's not going to stop. That's, that's <laughs> yeah, he's not. Look, look, he's a fisherman, right? He's competitive. He is not going to let somebody do something cooler or more badass than him. Right. You know, right. and that's, I love it. I love him. <laughs> he, hey, he, if you're not out here trying to be the best, then what are we doing, right? Exactly. Everybody should try to and, be the best at whatever you're doing. Be the he, best at it. He's an old football player. He's, a, he's got a little attitude. He doesn't show his attitude. But you know what? If, if I'm pretty sure he doesn't have very many sportsmanship trophies hanging on his wall either <laughs> i just think he's he's a little bit quieter than i am yeah he just he likes to be in the I, background i just met him for the first time this year and i'll say this on the podcast is because i was so embarrassed but they were pulling around the the boat i guess it was will's boat they went out fishing for the day and they were pulling around and him and scott were on the boat and i was like man have i fished with you guys before y'all look really familiar <laughs> Yes, I've heard that before, kid. They, you know, they're like super humble and everything, so they don't, they, you know, they don't no. say anything or whatever. You know, like, no, I don't think y'all you fish with us. And then we, you know, of course we go upstairs, and I'm like, oh, you're Billy, oh, you're Scott. You know, yeah, it's like, I guess I have seen. By <laughs> the way, yeah, shake, shake my hand. Thank you. You saved my back and my knees. Yeah, thank exactly. You very much. <laughs> no, that's funny. So yeah, so. Uh, Oil spill happens, boats go crazy, people get a lot of money, oil yeah, spill. People. So just uh, to sum up the oil spill, was it uh, the people, what, what was it? Because uh, like I've talked to people from all over the world about the oil spill. I, I, whenever I was backpacking in Australia, there was people, you know, talking about the oil spill and wanting to hear my side of it. Um, I'm not going to say my side of it. I don't, I don't really think it's valuable, but, you know, seeing all the money that came into the coast the damage that was done i mean we're you know quite a few years after i'd say nine years after or more than that like 12 yeah. years after the spill what do you think was the outcome ah, of that i had so I, okay taking a step back i just got that brand new 33 freeman right mm -hmm. so it was like the hottest sexiest boat around so anytime there was a media event they called me really so I got, I got to go roll around with all the big players. <laughs> I could see right? that. I could definitely see that. <laughs> I had I had a couple of very heated discussions. Mm -hmm. I say heated discussions because yelling at somebody that they're an effing idiot is probably not good for your podcast. <laughs> but so, like down here in Louisiana, in Texas, anywhere there's oil, right? Mm -hmm. There's natural seepage. Right. It is. It's going to come bubbling up. Mm -hmm. Mother Nature is so much smarter and better equipped than any damn scientist. Or any chemicals. <laughs> to deal with it. Right. And that was, that was the argument I had. I mean, they sprayed all this disbursement. They sunk all the crap. Out of sight, out of mind. 
Right. So and they were talking about you... how it was so necessary. No, no, no. no. Yeah. Don't make me start yelling at you. <laughs> so they were telling us about how necessary it was because it was going to kill vegetation, which in Louisiana holds the coastline together. If the vegetation's dead, it just washes away. But you know what? There's microbes in the vegetation that know how to eat oil. They eat oil. They know how to deal with it. Mother Nature, nor human beings, nor academia, nor scientists, know how to deal with oil 3,000 feet down sitting on the bottom of the Gulf of Mexico. Right. So, let Mother Nature, you have screwed it up. And I'm not bitching about the oil spill. I am in no way, shape, or form make a living fishing around oil rigs. Mm -hmm. I use a boat that burns gasoline. I drive a truck that burns diesel. I use plastic products. It is what it is. There's a risk reward. I'm not, this is not a bashing of the oil industry in any way, shape, or form. But you know what? Sinking that crap down to 3,000 feet is dumb because now it's there and it's stuck. Right. And we're not going to get rid of it. Right. All right. That's, that's, that's my biggest bitch about it. Yeah. As far as helping out the, like, the, maybe, like, what BP did for the rest of the people down here, as far as, you know, maybe you feel like they compensated? I think, you know, and it, it's, it's goofy. Yeah, it, it is. Really is. It's like, it is kind of goofy because it's like, like, who should get this money? And, like, what is it being used for? And, I mean, and I've heard of people getting up to $30,000 just was, just because they lost groceries. It was, like, $25,000. If it was under, if your claim was under twenty five, you kind of, they got it and you just got a check. Yeah. It's like, yeah, my beer got warm. Yeah. And, cool, here's twenty five grand. <laughs> they didn't even look into it. We got shut down for how long? Right. You know, and, and when we did it, and I'm not going to badmouth BP. I mean, there's a bunch of ways they could have handled it. Um, they did do some stupid things. Yeah. They did do some things very well. Um, I agree with what you're saying, though, as far as, you know, people, you know, as far as the environment, Mother Nature taking care of the oil altogether. I mean... Oh. We can't be God, you know, whenever something like that happens, I think you just got to, you know, let let nature take its course. It's a naturally found thing. Like, you know, who sticks their hand in oil and breaks out in hives? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I think that was from all the benzene or whatever. But so, um, so yeah, so, you know, moving on from the, the BP oil spill and everything, you know, when did when did Rimmer stop working for you guys? At the at the oil spill. Right at the oil spill. Right and, after and, it. Yeah, he was. He did he, his deal. He did. He had some oil field opportunities, and he capitalized on them. Right. And he right. got out the charter game. Yeah. And good on him. Good on him. Can't blame him a bit. Um, so then it became Billy and I. You and Billy. And, and so keeping, uh, you know, one of the things that I think is so crucial to a lot of the guides that work with us our success is the business model behind Mexican Gulf. So maybe you could explain our business well, model and our business model is it's like it, it it's actually very simple. Mm -hmm. It it I had to dust off one of my grandfather's books, his old business ethics books from a long time ago. Mm -hmm. And first chapter, first page said treat people right 
and they will come back. <laughs> it's not that difficult. I, I know, and I am 1 million percent positive that we provide a premium product. Right. And you know what? We're going to charge a premium price. Mm-hmm. And we don't charge the most out of anybody down here. Right. But we don't, we don't, for you to get a, a, on our site, for you to be one of our quote unquote captains, mm-hmm. you're going to go at least two years, at least two years with us mm-hmm. as a mate. And then as your whoever you're working under, um, we'll put you into a quote unquote like apprenticeship where you're making the calls. He's just sitting in the deckhand seat, you know, to make sure you don't screw up too bad. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of other companies. Okay, all of them down here. Right. Not not to sound ugly, that don't do that. They, yeah. you got a captain's license? Cool. Can I get you on insurance? Cool. Go take the boat out. Go take it. Go get it. Yeah. And it, and, and I don't want that. I've been busting my ass for way too long. Billy Wells has been busting his ass for way too long. Yeah. To deal with our name and our reputation, getting ruined by some little snot nosed little <laughs> asshole. Like I was, honestly. Right. Um, but I think, do you it. know, like the, the business model isn't like, you know, we all work for one boss. It's a team. We all work together. We all take care of our yes. own boats. We no all do that it. stuff. So, like, I think, you know, a lot of the other business models that I've seen that aren't as good for guides because the guides don't typically make as much money and there's always a fight between the owner or the you know the captain or whatever the business model i think is so great with uh, mexican gulf for the fact that you know we're more of a team we you know you don't have you don't have all this you know this uh boss mentality ship because we as a guide as a guide you want to work for yourself you want to have that freedom you don't want to have you know people hovering over you and i think that's the environment that you and billy have really created and it's it's really awesome it really is because it, it makes a happy environment for all it of does, us and, and what, what good is it going to do for me to just be a wiener to y'all if, right. if i need to be a wiener to you i'll be a wiener <laughs> yeah, i'll be an oscar the freaking wiener to you <laughs> and not have any 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 grits or qualms about it but i mean dude we have a great group. We do. And you don't get into the group without being, you bring a lot to the table. And yeah. that's why we're very selective. Oh, Eddie used to call us the prima donnas. <laughs> and you know what? Call us whatever you want. What we're doing is working. Like I said, we offer a premium product. Yeah. And you're going to get premium service. Right. Period. Yeah. And if you feel like you've been cheated, I want to hear about it. Right. I want I, I, And I'm going to address it. And sometimes I'm going to tell you, Look, it sucked that day. Right. And we all make bad calls. Yes, I, Kevin Beach, just said that. Being <laughs> recorded, I make bad calls. <laughs> Everyone does. Okay. We're not God. So I guess we've kind of caught up to, well, I guess, you know, you guys got the 37s and then the 42s came. Y'all took on Zach. Y'all took on Colin. I, I yeah. was kind of around for all that. Yeah. Richard, oh so so Richard, kinda, yeah Richard, we were leasing his boat. Jordan was running his Jordan, boat, yeah. And then he's like, "Man, maybe I can come on and and run some trips and do this." And he was one of those like he had already proven himself, but no, we still made him do that. 
Right, right, right. Wade and Zach had already proven himself with another company. Right. And we took Zach on, and Wade was Zach's deckhand. And Wade was, I mean, them two are a really good fit with us. Um, and then, like, Colin, Colin had been running trips out of out of Mississippi yeah. for years. Yeah. And he, he wanted to check this out, yeah. check this whole Venice thing out. Yeah. So he started deckhand and goes from captain to deckhand for Billy. Yeah. And, I mean, he did it. He fell in love with what we have down here. Yeah. Everything except for the mosquitoes, you know, <laughs> and nobody loves them some bitches. But so he he did it, and he's like, "Man, I'm on," you know. And he look, he although he was already proven, he was already established. He did his damn time. Yeah. Jordan Ellis, one of our best guys, he has done his time. He he was my deckhand for four years. Four years, looking like a lost puppy after. Oh you lost my god! No, he's looking <laughs> like a skinny little some bitch. <laughs> You had him skinny. Sorry, back I didn't say that. Sorry, Shayna. <laughs> That's his wife. That's um, so funny. But so he goes, you know, he did that. Look, he he put in his time. He did it. And look at him. He's a very productive, successful captain. His guy that's working under him, Chad Reinhardt, you know, Chad has been there for over two years. So now he's running a boat on the weekends and he's Right. I say gradually facing them in, but I don't care who the hell you are. We ain't giving you, you ain't showing up down here and getting the keys. If it's meant for you, you ain't going anywhere anyway. Exactly. (laughs) You're right. You know what I'm saying? You're down here with us. You're in the corner of the It's meant to be. You're here. That's it. it. But it's a quality control, you know, for us as a business that, I could probably keep five more boats busy. Yeah. I don't have the five more day in, day out guys that can catch fish, provide a professional, entertaining experience. And that that's, I mean, you get your, your like cold-blooded killers, right? Mm-hmm. And they're not people person. Yeah. Your people person are <laughs> too nice. Killing tuna will only get you so far. <laughs> exactly. And then being a wiener to a damn customer. Right. You know, if you catch 10 tunas and your captain's an asshole and you're not having fun, you got a 50-50 shot of coming back. Right. If you go catch two tunas and you had the time of your life, your old punk ass is coming back, period. <laughs> I mean, and, and that's that's right. part of the, I say, not business model, but finding that captain or that deckhand that can fill those two shoes Plus, work on a boat, be responsible, pay attention, be an electrician, be a carpenter, be right, a real mechanic, be a blah, blah, blah. I mean, like, we don't wear one hat. You're a jack of all trades yes. and a charter captain, for sure. You are, And you don't have a choice. And you're going to be... And if you're not, you better have a friend that is. <laughs> <laughs> and you better feed them well. <laughs> Period. <laughs> Provide plenty of and really good meals. <laughs> that is true. Um, so real quick, I know these, these bugs are getting me too, but, um, real quick, if you can just give us a couple stories, maybe most epic blue Marlin experience doesn't have to be the bite or whatever long fight, something like that. Cause wait, first off, what really gets your rocks off? I know it's, I know the tuna does it, but mosquitoes, <laughs> no, no, I, and, and, and I, and it probably goes back to me being a kid, like. 
we always substance fist, right? Mm-hmm. You hooked a blue marlin. My dad was the first one to cut the line. <laughs> oh, Man, this is a waste of time. We can't eat the son bitch. The hell with him. I mean, that's that used to break my heart. Like just <laughs> smash it in a meat grinder. Just bow, 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 bow. <laughs> Hated it. Hated it. That's the apex predator, man. Exactly. Catch. And so, anyway, so we, uh, yeah, I, I guess my favorite fish to catch is a blue marlin. They are a lot harder and less abundant than a lot of other fish. Um, love tunas, wahoo, mangroves, reds, you know, the whole nine yards. But, um, yeah, if there was one, probably it. So, what's <laughs> my favorite story? Um, some really good friends of mine, Carol and Pierce Starr. All right. So Carol used to come fishing with me by herself, like one girl by herself. And this girl is ate up with fishing. When I say ate up, I'm talking like, like she should have bought a charter boat, but <laughs> she was entirely too smart and too successful to do that. Right. Um, so she shows up one day with a guy and she used to charter me like 10 days a year and she'd come by herself. She shows up with a guy and I'm like, Carol, who the hell is this? I mean, who's this guy? Right. And she's like, it's our first date. Shut up. <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> You're bringing this. You brought this dude fishing with you on your first date. I'm like. I love you. That's like, a different I, type of girl right hey, there, man. You ain't good. <laughs> so they're married now. They got a couple of kids. I mean, good on them. So don't get mad at me, Pierce, if you hear all this, which I'm pretty sure he will. Um, so anyway, so uh, we're at Medusa, and it was beginning of trawl boat season. It was a weekend, like Saturday, and... I mean, everybody knew about the trawl boats. Everybody's running out there. I said, look, here's the deal. We can go, this is on the old gravois. We can go to trawl boats, go swing for the fence with one fish, or we just go to Medusa and just go herring fish and just go knock out a couple of 50-pounders. Like, man, the hell with it. Let's go to blue water and go catch some smaller fish. Perfect. Put out two baits, boom, boom, two 50-pounders. Each of them reel them up. Put out two more herring. Boom, boom. Two more 50-pounders. But I had two more baits. Boom, boom. About a 25-pound skipjack. Get it in quick. And being that I kind of like to catch blue marlin, uh, I always keep one rod ready, you know, with adequate tackle. Let's just say that. Mm-hmm. Heavy leader, big hooks. Right. You something know. that can handle blue marlin, right? Yes. And, and something quick and easy. Right. So get that skipjack up. I grab it. Put it, you know, put the hook on it and drop it back in the water and it goes straight down about 150 feet. Mm-hmm. As soon as it gets down there, it shoots back up to the surface. <laughs> I was like, oh, watch, watch, watch. Come on. Yeah, yeah. Like, I know what's about to happen. Mm-hmm. That that tuna did not want to be on the surface, but he was trying. He was he was getting right with the man. Let's just God, say that. chills hearing that because, like, you know it's coming, man. Oh, yeah. I'm just like, <laughs> And all you see is this big old boil. <laughs> and the reel goes, Ring! and nothing. I'm like, oh, my God. What gave? Like, where did I screw up? Was it bridal? Was it this? Was it that? 
and I am literally like when I say beating myself up in the head, I am pissed. Mm-hmm. Now keep in mind it's like nine o'clock in the morning. We have four good yellowfin on board. We got another one, you know, on the rod. And you're and pissed. I am. Yeah, I am fuming. I'm about to lose my stuff. And uh, so anyway, so Pierce is sitting there. That was Carol's line that had the uh, had the skipjack. And he's sitting there, and all of a sudden, you just see his rod tip goes from boat over. If you break a line, you pull a hook. It's kind of a quick snap, right? Right. Like it straightens up like pop. Mm-hmm. It just kind of slowly goes and comes back, back stiff. Yeah. Uh, he's like, oh, man, my fish is gone. I'm like, real. He's like, I'm telling you, it's gone. I'm like, real. And I start yelling at him. So he starts sitting there cranking, crank, 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 crank. This 50-pound yellowfin gets up on the surface. When I say on the surface, I'm talking like top of the tail out of the water, kicking water. <laughs> and this big old son bitch comes up and crashes it. Ten feet behind the boat. <laughs> this was on a tuna rod, though. On a tuna rod. On an 80-pound leader. Right. When you have a 1,000-pound fucking... Pardon me. Uh, <laughs> sorry about that, kids. Marlin, come and eat on 80-pound test. You might as well just... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's wah, it. Wah, wah. No whammy, no whammy. Stop. That was a good show. <laughs> yeah. So I cut the line. I go, I elbowed Carol out of the way, which, by the way, I still feel bad so about So you it. cut the line on the tuna. Yes. That the marlin just ate. It just ate it. I right. wasn't getting that tuna. Right. Like, it was done. You were like, you knew it. it I would like... rather not piss the marlin <laughs> off and see if we can catch that, it. That thing could have ate me. <laughs> yes, it could have. And not even burped. <laughs> so I, I, I go ahead, I grab a dead tuna. Now all I have is a circle, big old 22-odd circle hook. I grab it, just hook it out of the nose. And I throw it in the water. And it's sinking back. And that blew mine. How big is the tuna that you threw in? 50 pounds. 50 pound tuna, huh? And it's just sitting there. And the marlin comes charging up to it. And I just grab it and I jerk it. As soon as that tuna starts pulling away from that fish, it comes and just swallows it. Swallows it like a like, like a, a Like a potato chip. Oh, yeah, like a Skittle. Like nothing. Like, <laughs> all right, gotcha. I was like, I literally, I looked over my shoulder at at Pierce and Carol, I was like, oh, shit. What do we do now? I mean, we literally, this fish is probably a 1,000 pounds. We got them on stand-up. Right. Come tight on it. And we have, on that reel, had 28 pounds of drag, like set on a drag scale. He took two laps, or she, I'm sorry, took two laps around the damn rig. It's a spar rig, which is a straight cylinder. Right. Medusa, right? Yeah. Took two laps around it and had no idea it was even hooked. (laughs) So it comes up. Poor Pierce. I'm trying to show Carol how to run the video camera. And Pierce is sitting there and all his like maracas shaking. I'm like, what the hell is that? I'll look over and the fish had come up. And it's just straight windshield wiper back and forth. Ah, <laughs> and that was his changing his keys in his pocket, shaking, because it was straight braid. It was 130 braid to a 400-pound wind on. Oh. Not the best setup. Yes. Right, right. Ladies and gentlemen, I have learned since then. I don't want to hear any crap. <laughs> so he's doing head. Wah, wah. His head is literally like whipping back and forth like he's riding a bull. 
And I was like, there she is. Let's go get her. So I started driving up on the fish still like whack, 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 whack. And next thing I know, here comes that fluorescent orange wind on. Probably, well, not one of the dumbest things I've ever done in my life. One of the dumbest, most dangerous things I've ever done in my life on a boat. <laughs> I double wrapped it. And lucky for me that that circle hook did not get around the jaw. It got right there in the hinge. And I just, as soon as I double wrapped, I tucked as low as I could. Just waiting and knowing I was about to dump it. <laughs> and the fish got pissed and made the run that I knew it was going to make, that everyone knew it was going to make. And it just bent that 22 auto hook out like it was nothing. Bent it out? Bent it out. Wow. I was cool. That's most memorable. That thing was so damn big. <laughs> it's it, always the big ones, man. Oh, but it was so the day before, I was at Houdat. And anyway, we had a fish or marlin trying to eat an 80-pound tuna on the boat they're dreaming on, which is a reputable boat. They've caught a pile of big fish. They know what a big fish looks like. This fish came up and tried to eat this 80-pounder, and uh, we couldn't get it to eat. I mean, it wanted that 80-pounder, and I gassed up on the engines, throttled up, and it just didn't work out anyway. I screwed it up. I'm a big enough boy to admit it. <laughs> I've learned from it, though. Exactly. And anyway, so they caught the fish the next day, and they said 950. No. Oh. The one at Medusa was noticeably, considerably bigger than that one. It was <laughs> freaking giant. That's crazy. Man. I don't know if I've ever hooked into a grander, but... There was one day I thought I saw one, and seeing a big fish like that is just something you just you just don't forget, especially you know apex predator type fish like that. Dude, I would, I no, <laughs> you don't forget no, those fish, no, that man. Is, I'm telling you, I'll be like Alzheimer's in a nursing home, telling the nurse about the same exact story I just told you, Polly, <laughs> and I won't feel bad about it. All right, well, um, I guess. One of the main questions I wanted to ask you, because I think a lot of our listeners might want to know about it, but what is your most desired customer, right? Like, if you were to have, like, if you if you were to have a customer, like, what what is your most desired person? What did they want? You know, the attitude about them. No, and and so look, we 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 touched on it earlier about we kind of get numb to it, mm-hmm. you know. I get my rocks off on and I appreciate when people see something new and they appreciate it. Right. I mean, look, when you catch a, a 20 pound bull red, when you catch a 20 pound triple tail, 20 pound cobia, whatever. I mean, it's another day at the office for you. Right. When you net that triple tail, you net that big fish and they lose their garbage because right. that's, Oh my God, this is the biggest fish I've ever seen. <laughs> you know, and you feed off of their energy, right? Yeah. For me, is kind of the same thing. I mean, it's it's someone who appreciates what they see. I understand, like, and, and that's one of the dumbest, worst things that I know I do. Like, you get a shark or a jackabell or a barracuda. And it's like, eh, yeah, eh. Yeah. 
dude, so many people have never seen that. <laughs> this is a fish with big teeth and right. pulls hard. And that gets so many people's rocks off. And I had a guy two days ago. His name's Craig Baller. He fishes with us a lot. He booked 10 days with me. I got to fish him again in September. But he he told me that he's fished. he fishes all over the world. Alaska, you name any big destination, he's been to it. And he told me his favorite fish to catch is a Jack Gravel. They're awesome. <laughs> That's great. Dude, no. <laughs> you Whenever you it. appreciate something like that, yes. it's cool. It's it, cool to make that happen. It doesn't taste worth a crap. No, you don't eat them. You catch and release. He's but happy you, with that. Yes. <laughs> and it's it, it eats surface baits. It's a crazy fight. Right. You know, I mean, like everything you want in a fish... A Jack Cravel is, except yeah, for exactly. table fare. Except for table fare. And I, we're so <laughs> beat in with with the whole, you know, like I said, I grew up substance fishing. Right. And Jack Cravel was like the devil because it was going to take us a while to get it in. Yeah. You know, but. What, but if what's, you're a fisherman more? that fishes five times a year and you went looking for a hard fight and you, you're not a big fish eater, that's the fish you want. That's the perfect fish. <laughs> So, but um, perfect, perfect customer back to it. Yeah, perfect. Someone who appreciates it. Someone who listens. Someone who I say listens. No. Someone who listens to the technique of how to land the fish. Right. Not, uh, you know, I'm Joe Cool Guy. I know what I'm doing. And right. Then right. Gets their ass whooped, and they're gonna blame everything under the sun. I've heard people blame why they couldn't reel in a tuna any quicker to Taco Bell the night before. Like, really? <laughs> That's the dumbest. Really? Right. Well, I didn't brush my teeth this morning, so we're not catching any goddamn fish. That's that's retarded. <laughs> but, um... That's cool, though. Yeah, huh? just people who appreciate, because we are kind of numbed and dumbed down. And I look, don't get me wrong, I still get fired up. I get excited every time I see it. Tuna blow up on the water anytime I see a mahi jump. Right. Or I see a wahoo under the boat or, or, or a blue marlin, you know. I I know what it is. Right. And, you know, some days I need I like to I like to feed energy to my customers. Yeah. And then some days, look, you're gonna be worn out and dog ass tired and that much help from a customer, just someone who's Right. Got a little pep. Not the guy who's going to sit in your ear in the whole way. And, <laughs> and, and look, I understand that also. Yeah, I get I, it too. I do I, too. I went on one charter, fishing charter, in my entire life. Mm-hmm. And I asked every question that I hate, hate hid <laughs> getting asked. You know, and that's something that I think that more of us guides should do is go on other charter trips. Somewhere you know nothing about. Yeah, just to put your, you, you're the customer. You see, yes. you're, because like, if, you know, if you were to go on a charter trip in, in Australia, like I went, I went to Australia and I went, I went bottom fishing with a guy that I met there on his boat. And I thought everything we caught was cool because everything we caught, I had never, never seen Never seen, exactly. <laughs> I thought it was awesome, you know? He, so and he's like, hey, mate, hey. Uh, it was, he I, cut I, the I, line. Yeah. <laughs> ah, garbage. Ah. Yeah, exactly. Freaking Yankees want to catch all the garbage. <laughs> now, it just, and it, it, it makes you realize. Yes. It makes you realize what, uh, what people are really wanting out of the experience because 
a lot of people, you know, I mean, I get it. People come down here for tuna, but a lot of, you know, a lot of us guides think that people are coming down here for a boatload of tunas, which there's a lot of people that are. No doubt. But that's not all of it. There's people Wait. that honestly are coming here for every step of the way you, to you just see the, the Mississippi River, to yes. just, you know, catch and release and fish, doing whatever. Some people don't even care. But that kind of leads in, me into my last uh, question, last topic. Um what um what do you think we should do um in terms of com- conservation as guides you know as a le- I, I would consider you a leader of our entire charter fleet in, here in Venice you know somebody that's got God help us <laughs> no <laughs> no but it- no and, and and honestly like you know just think about and in, in terms of conservation because I know like we've all killed too much I've done that so just kind of put that out of your mind and think of. Uh, you know what do we need to do from this point forward to you know keep our fishery as much as we as much as we no, have look now? look and 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 you know this more than anybody probably because you fish inshore you fish you know near shore and you fish offshore like you see everything mm-hmm. that we have to offer down here right um we have as as captains offshore captains the most of the reputable captains mm-hmm. most of the reputable guys you know, we, we stop it at two yellowfin per person mm-hmm. instead of the, the federal limit, three. Right. Right or wrong? I don't know. But if you want to come back next year and catch a fish, might be the right thing mm-hmm. to make sure you can catch a 12 again. You want 18 now and none none next year? Right. That's right. your call. It's something. I mean, right. Yes. Um, we've done a lot of steps. Um I've I seen think, that since I've been here. You guys have made meetings no, and, with and, the charter and, captains and say, look, we're not I, keeping any more than I, this. We're not keeping any more than 10. We're not keeping more than 12. Yeah, you know, Billy Wells and I, um, and I'm not, I, I want to say this right now, and, and if y'all could see me, I got my finger pointed dead square at Paulie's face. <laughs> I know Billy Wells and I were part of the meat hall mentality that started here. Yeah, you know, we were some of the people that had used to have people. Man, can we go in? No, no, someone might have more fish than me. We're gonna kill everything. And don't get me wrong, I have no issues killing anything right. at all. Yeah, all right, that's what you do, including some people from time <laughs> to time. But it's you know they, I don't know how to say it. Um, I'm I'm looking for the words, searching for the words. It's well, and and if you sit here and you pound and hammer, and you don't try and learn anything, you don't try and put anything back into an ecosystem. And the ecosystem down here is phenomenal. It is above and beyond anything most people have seen, even in some of the most prolific fisheries around the world. Right. To sit here and pound and take and take and take, um, there has to be some sort of breaks put on. I mean, right? You know, like down in Costa Rica, yeah, one mahi per you know per boat per day. You you know, and hell, you can't fly back with it, right? And I understand what, what we charge. You have to have some sort of um, <laughs> something efficient. to go out, bring in some, out, yeah. Something you you to have to justify with, it with know. something to go home with. Yeah. You know what? And some people justify it with a smile and experience. Right. Other people and justify s- it with pounds of meat. And, s- and which one's right and which one's wrong? 
I'm not going to tell you. Right. right. It, it, and, and everybody's different because I have literally been on both sides of that coin. Right. No doubt. When I say <laughs> <laughs> both sides. Yeah. And, and, you know, that's, I think, is important whenever it talks about conservation is to have people that say, you know, I've done this, but maybe, you know, maybe this isn't the right way to do it. And it's easy for us to say it whenever we've we've done all that. You know, it's easy to say, like, oh, we shouldn't do this or we shouldn't do that. But at the same time, I think as gods, I think, you know, in not just changing laws or making anything like like because you can change laws all you want, like and that'll get you that'll get you so far. But I think the mentality behind guides can really help a lot. Like, one thing that I ask my customers every day whenever they get on the boat, I say, do you guys want to keep fish? And I do that because if they don't want to keep fish, I encourage it. I tell them, we're not keeping, they've already said it, we're not keeping any fish, they don't want to keep fish. I'm not keeping any fish. I'm not going to encourage them to take fish if they don't actually need it. You know, meanwhile, other people will say, oh, I'll keep some for myself. And then they come back. Need and some people, for dinner. Need uh, you some know, for I dinner. Got... And then the people are like, oh, well, we want some too now. Like, oh, so now you, then, then, then you're coming home. You, know, you got a, you need, a, boat, you need, a boatload yes. of, of fish. So, like, I think as guides, if we could just encourage the people that want to release the fish, let them do that. You know what I'm saying? But, like, I know for a fact I've taken a lot of trips. And there will be people that will come down here and don't want to take any fish home. And they'll go offshore and they'll come back with a lot of fish. And I don't, I don't you know, I, I don't think, I think that that's just the way that people are taught and that's the way that people have just became to be and it's it's just a normal thing now. Well, and that, that's what I was but saying. But that's one of the things that, in a, in a mentality standpoint, that could easily be changed with, you know, the right <laughs> conversations happening in, in, in a normal... Well, and, and, and that's what I started on a little bit ago. I know Billy Wells and I were two of the people that put the meat hall mentality into Venice and we stamped ourselves with the meat hall mentality. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I really don't have an issue with the meat hall. Mm-hmm. I mean, like I said, I know what it's like. Right. Yeah. People well, love tuna. People yes. like to eat it. Hey, yeah. I do also. Right. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm not pointing fingers without pointing one back at myself. Right. But on the flip side of that, I mean, look, enough's enough and, and, and you catch it. You catch your tunas, and you want to go try for something else. Let's go do it. But you don't need to kill, rape, and pillage every single day because yeah. every time you do something like that, I mean, and to me, that's the basic message that you got to put out, right? Just go out there and try to do good. Try to yeah. try, try to give back in some type of way. Try to make a cutoff limit, maybe at some point or something. Who yeah. knows? You know what I mean? Maybe if you don't have one. Advocate to your friends too. <laughs> yeah, look at the guys. I mean, you know, guys go down, you know, to to South Florida and they catch shellfish. That's all catching at least. Yeah, uh, maybe a king mackerel if they want to go do fish dip off of. Right, right. You know, and they're happy. They're, they're happy. selling smiles. They're not right. selling coolers of meat, man. Right. Gotta have it. And that's one of the things that I've noticed so much about being an inshore guide is you get to know the people a lot more. So, like, whenever I meet people from Florida or, like, uh, really, like, upstate people that are big-time hunters, a lot of times it's almost an afterthought to keep the fish or not. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? But it's like the mentality around Mississippi, Louisiana, and Texas is not not the same because – 
I think the difference is, is Florida has had generations over generations of people talking about conservation. And I'm sure there was people down there back in the 50s that or 40s Killed and 50s. Killed everything. Yeah, and they saw how great it was. Fishing was probably great out of Miami. Yep. And now there's, I mean, there's probably not even that many fish to be found there. It's, you know, so. I, I guarantee you it wasn't. It's not right now. And I know, look, we got a lot of customers from Miami. And I'm pretty sure every single one of them will tell you. That it's not like it was in the 50s. I'm sure. I mean, same things with Destin. Same things. I mean, hell, you can say Everywhere. the same. You can yes. say the same thing about here if you yeah. want. I think the glory days are right now, though, personally. Because, I mean. you know what? <laughs> We're trying to curb the, you know, oh, man, it's not a good trip if you didn't have 17 boxes of, you know, coolers of fish. You know. Right. And... <laughs> It's, I'm sorry, we we got some knuckleheads uh, walking around behind us. Like I said, we're <laughs> we're out here on the on the back porch. Yeah, the sun has gone down. Mosquitoes have come out, but this conversation is just going entirely <laughs> too well. They shut up. I I don't know if you I'm know speaking what? out of my booty, but you 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 tell me, Pauline. <laughs> I've loved the conversation. And, no, and- I can say I'm I'm not I'm not. This is not. <laughs> Stop it. Well, I'm not trying to stop it either, but I, you know, that was a, one of our last topics we were going to talk about. So. Oh, okay. So what's we'll our next topic? How about Paulie's hair? This guy's well, look, got some. What we're going to do is we're going to do it again. Whenever you have an epic day or like a big catch or something like that, I want you to call me up and we're going to set it all up again and, and talk about the day and other kind of stories. I know you got a ton of stories to share. Well, share I can with I can tell you stories all day, Paulie, but let me tell you what. <laughs> I got to say two things. Number one is screw you for bringing me in right after the two hammers <laughs> that you you had last time. I mean, hats off to him. Leah Lonzo, Mike Fernet. I I and and you you're probably not old enough. No, you didn't grow up. Those are like idols. No. When I say idols, like if there was a, a Mount Rushmore, they would have been up there. <laughs> like a Mount Rushmore of of Venice fishing. Period. No doubt. And when I say up there, like they would etch, <laughs> they would etch themselves. Badasses. <laughs> awesome. Like childhood heroes. Not kidding. They both, uh, I won't lie, they both did talk about you and they talked really highly of you. I'm just, just saying that. Awesome. Never mind. I retract all my <laughs> previous statements. They really did. And, and number two, Bali D. I know you're a very humble guy, and I know you're trying to stay neutral as your little podcast guy. <laughs> and I appreciate what you're doing, but on the flip side, Paul Idea is a pretty damn good fisherman for being like nine years old or ten years old, <laughs> whatever you are. I carry that baby face with me. <laughs> <laughs> One day you'll shave. <laughs> anyway, no, Paulie, um, I look, we'll do it sooner and later. We'll do it whenever. You cool. tell me. Thanks a ton, Kevin. You've done nothing but tremendous things for me. And I uh, can't thank you and Billy and the rest of the Mexican Gulf crew. That's where, you, anything, that's where so. you're wrong. <laughs> we didn't do anything besides open the door. You, you definitely opened it. the door. That you stepped through it, and you have done yourself a favor. <laughs> Keep that in mind. Don't, don't downplay yourself, dude. Right. Seriously, right. you've done great. People love you. You produce, you catch fish, you're not a... (laughs) 
leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, that's <was> right. <laughs> <laughs> Mixed emotions right now. <laughs> but you, look, you're doing great. Just keep up doing what you're doing. It, it's, it's an honor to have you with us. And thank you. Thank you, Kevin. And with that, we're going to go ahead and end it, guys. Thank you for tuning in to our fourth episode of Tuna Town Talks. Um, thanks, everybody. Have a good one. Thanks for listening, everybody. Please give us a follow on Facebook or Instagram at Tuna Town Talks. Also, if you'd like to book a charter with me, you can do so by visiting our website at mgfishing.com. That's Mexican Gulf website where you'll find my online booking calendar with all my open dates. And remember, guys, always be safe while out on the water.